In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Hello everybody, can you hear me? It's the first time I wear this thing, so it's a bit, uh, I feel funny. Um, welcome to uh, the last bit of the conference. Put up your hand if you feel you've learned something over the last, uh, over the weekend. Great, see some hands up, most of you. Marvelous. Good. So what we thought of is actually to give a last talk on Sunday where people are a bit exhausted thinking about going back to um, home. We thought to sort of do a summary of the conference and then talk about practically where are we taking this, uh, how can we take this forward. And uh, I intend for it to be a discussion really, rather than me telling you. So. Uh, Shall we uh, make a quick start and then we we'll see the ideas that you have? Is that okay? I wonder will help me with the answering of questions and stuff. Can you all hear me? Because yes. I can't hear myself. So what's the summary of a conference? First thing is, uh, there was an introduction uh, on the definition of, uh, uh, of presence given by a brilliant servant uh, on Friday night. Uh, amazing guy, really awesome. And uh, basically we spoke about the presence, the definition of presence. The summary of it was, to be in God's presence, I need to be present in the here and now. It's a state of being aware of God's presence. It's a state of being receptive and... I told you. Give me the laptop. Okay. Okay. So it's a state of being aware of God's presence, a state of being receptive, attentive to His presence, a state of being the here and now, a state of being naked and exposed to the Lord. And then Abuna went on to tell us more about what happens in His presence. Can you remember the main four things that Abuna mentioned that happen in His presence? Purification, illumination, Transformation and unification. Amazing. So, that, so Abuna took us through four core uh, elements that, ha- that happen in his presence, in the Lord's presence. After that, there was lunch, and there's no comment on lunch. And then Abuna talked to us about how to be in God's presence. Can you remember the four elements that Abuna mentioned of how to be in his presence? Sacraments, yes, through the sacraments. Yes, acts of love, doing small things, acts of love. Yeah. The Word of God, absolutely. And invoking the name of Christ, praying, uh, using the name of Christ, invoking the name of Christ. Well done. So after that there was dinner. I felt it was okay. I liked it. I liked my curry. I don't know about people who had the pasta. I was, I was satisfied. There were plenty of cakes. Suddenly plenty, flood of cakes. And uh, following that, Abuna took us through obstacles to being in God's presence. The question is back to you. Obstacles. What did Abuna mention? Lack of faith. Lack of love. Lack of interest. Syncretism. Yeah. Lack of time. There's one missing. Lack of holiness. Yes, lack of holiness. Lack of time, lack of interest, lack of holiness, lack of faith. And 
Syncretism. Syncretism. Yes. So, can you see the, f- the flow of the talks? It started to make sense a bit. Okay. And as I say, this session will be just talking about practical applications. Why did we think of having a session for practical applications? I think the first thing is we would like to transform our ideas into actions. What is the point of coming to a conference? You come up with ideas, you know them all, but you don't know how you can do it practically. We went through a few things in the workshops, but we would like to take it a bit forward and go a bit more specific about how to practically do it and the obstacles that we may face. The other thing is, we would like to clarify points raised in groups. Some groups had points unresolved. So this is a time for you to pick, to put up your hand and say, well, I've had an issue about this. It's not yet clear in my mind. A third purpose is to allow for questions and answers. Put some emphasis on the word practice. And we practice here means we practice being present in God's presence. It's for us, we need to start doing it. The experience, I mean. And the importance of that is something slightly complex, if I say it. What we miss in God's presence is not what we don't get. Say it again. What we miss when we are not in God's presence is not what we don't get. Did you get the point? Okay, so you think, in God's presence, I get joy. If I'm not in God's presence, I'm not going to get joy. That's a lie. Because when you're not in His presence, you're vulnerable. You're not in His kingdom. You're on your own. So it's not just the lack of joy. It's other things, evil things that the devil will attack you with. Does that make sense? So the simplest idea is, like, well, if I'm not in His presence, I'm not going to be in the light. Fine. But I'm okay. That's a lie. In, when you're not in His presence, it's not just that you don't get joy. There's other things that you will get from the, ha- from the hands of the devil. So you need to be careful. Made sense to you? And then, touch on how to handle failures. If you feel well, uh, left the conference really enthusiastic, went home, nothing. And then, to know about the devil's ways. Do we really need to know about the devil's ways? Okay, who of you thinks that the devil is creative? Okay, I tend to disagree, and it's my personal opinion. Have you read it in a book? I don't think the devil has any newness in him. I think what we are seeing is when the devil is using people, he's using the creativity that the Lord has given to man in evil things. I don't, I don't think at all that the devil has anything new. I think when we see new things, in the world. It's actually the minds of people that were meant to be creative in good were are creative in evil. Does that make sense? So that's why St. Paul said in Second Corinthians that we are not ignorant of his devices. Speaking about the devil, about Satan. We're not ignorant of them. Because there's no newness in him. In the new life there is newness all the time. Because we are with God the Creator. Does that make sense? Have I lost anybody? No, not yet. <laughs> okay. So, in, in, in couple therapy, when we do couple therapy or family therapy, and you're talking with a couple who are separated, obviously the man will tell you lots of stories, the woman will tell you lots of stories, and you're the therapist and your mind is just, which one to believe, and the stories are different. One skill that, that we do is to, the skill of stepping back, standing back. And look at the, the, the scene from outside. 
to see what's actually going on here. Oh, the guy's being a bit aggressive. Oh, she's being a bit submissive or something. So when you stand back, you see the scene from afar a bit, from a distance. It's very useful. So I've tried to do that about the conference. I was thinking, what's actually happening if I stand back a bit? What's actually happening over Friday, Saturday, Sunday? What I got is that the bridegroom is calling the bride. And the bride is questioning, thinking, worrying, how am I going to do it? Let me try. Full of worries. Will it work? What does it mean to be in his presence? So, I think what has been happening over the last couple of days is the Lord is saying, I am the Lord, the God of Israel. The one who calls you by name. So the bridegroom has been calling each and every one of us over the last two, three days. We are the bride. We are in a state of his calling. We've been hearing from Abuna about his presence, his presence, his presence. I think when I stood back, I looked at the scene. Here's the bridegroom. He is calling you to his presence. And you are the bride thinking, how am I going to do it? How am I going to approach it? Does that make sense? So that the, the, the bridegroom is asking, what's in the way? What is actually stopping you from coming into my presence? What's actually blocking that? What's actually making it difficult for you to be in my presence? And I thought the best thing to do is to run through scenarios with you to see what might actually happen. Why is the bridegroom asking for us to be in his presence and we're finding it very difficult? You ready? The first scenario. Uh, sorry. The, uh, before we go through the scenarios, this is the verse in Romans 8. It talks about the separation. Nothing should separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So why am I feeling separated and the bridegroom is still calling for me? Why is that separation? Is it sins? Is it my works? Is it my mind? My feelings? Is it my body? Is it the people around me? Is it my ego? Is it that I fear loss of control? I don't want someone to control my life? Is it the world? What is it? You following? First scenario. On the way home, waiting for my flight to London, me and my friends are talking about so much other stuff unrelated to the conference. Suddenly, something inside me reminded me of his presence. What do you suggest I do? Share it. One thing is, do you think it's it's easy to share it? We're talking about a singer or about the politics or whatever. Is it easy to share it? What else can you do? So sharing, sharing it is an option. Jesus prayer. Jesus prayer. A practical option, easy option. You can practice it in your heart. Who is reminding you of the conference and of, of His presence? The Holy Spirit. So you can respond through the Jesus prayer. Any other thoughts? Initiate Another, another more courageous thought. We can actually initiate a discussion. We can divert the discussion. I think the key point for me is you're responding. You're not ignoring. You're responding. If you initiate, the, if you are of that personality, you can initiate the conversation and divert it. If you can share it, if you can pray, that's not the main point. The main point for me is you're responding to that inner voice, to the bridegroom. Okay, so he went home after the conference, exhausted of course, went to bed straight away. In bed, started reflecting what was happening, I met X, Y, Z, made friends, it was nice, it was lovely, we had nice food. And, uh, and then I thought, I should really stand up for prayer. 
but I'm shattered. I'm really tired, but I'm, I, I, I should really just make the effort. What do you think should happen if this is the scenario? What would you do? Solve my problem. Does that happen? Yes. Okay. So what, after what you've learned in the conference, what is new that you can do? Simple. I'm not looking for sort of wicked answers or not tricking you by the scenarios. You can start by the Jesus prayer in bed and see where it takes you. Because actually, if you are wide awake and you focus on what you're praying, the Lord will give you strength. The Lord will give you strength. I was talking to a, a bishop before he was a bishop, uh, ordained the bishop, and he was a monk. And he was encouraging all of the youth to just make a start and respond by praying, and then the grace will give you the power. You are initiating by responding. You're saying, yes, I want. And then the grace will give you the other bit that you don't have. It's the power. So well, that's one option. What else? You're in bed, you're tired. Acknowledge that the tiredness is the devil's way of stopping you. So you can acknowledge that the tiredness and how, what it feels uh, to you could be exaggerated 10 million times by the devil. Because if you get a call from a friend, you'll respond to it. So you can discern, yes, this is not entirely true that I can't do it. Hmm. Okay. I would listen to the Holy Spirit inside of me to make it stronger. If I go back to sleep it will quieten over time. So responding back to it and even asking God quickly to give me strength to get up. Um, I will get up and do it. And I've heard one of like the monsters saying when you're really tired and you force yourself to pray, you get more rewarded and more blessing. Because you're forcing yourself to get to I fully agree. Maybe the word that uh, I loved is respond. The word I loved less is rewarded. Just to make sure that people don't think we are encouraging that we are after a reward kind of thing. Yes, the Lord, will, uh, the Lord sees your efforts and multiplies them by hundreds of thousands. Um, but obviously what you're after is that engagement, isn't it? That relationship. Okay, what else? I see that Nina is telling you not to say it, so, uh, <laughs> so I'm turning the blind eye, Mark. <laughs> responding to, I'm responding to your unity with your wife. <laughs> Nina likes to, like, she loves to talk when we get into bed. I'm coming to bed For some reason, I can relate to that, actually. For three years, we've had this problem and never solved. <laughs> I sleep in a second. Randy thinks bedtime is for chatting, for reflection, for feelings, for planning for tomorrow. And I'm thinking, that's not what I understand of bedtime, it's bed. I didn't get the time to think about it, Mark. I was fast asleep. It doesn't take seconds for me. So I start to drift off while she's talking. So she, she makes me sit up. In bed. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Nina, please don't, don't talk to Randy, please. Don't talk to my wife. Keep your ideas to yourself. It's nice. It's working for you. Good for you. Do some push-ups, huh? <laughs> God bless you too. <laughs> but it did. And then over like the years, you do develop. 
to the calling and she's saying let's have a chat and you've from a close friend, you just pick, it, pick up the phone and just have a chat. Um, so you're adding value to the Lord. That's, that's absolutely fine. I'm going back to Mark's point. When you mentioned acknowledge that this is the devil who is telling you. It's, it's absolutely fine. But I have a bit of a worry that will come up in the next scenario. So just keep it in mind. Because acknowledging is good at the start, but where is it taking me? Peter. Sometimes it can be a bit tricky because the devil can say now you need to think about something that it's coming. It's, ca- it's coming. In one scenario, yes. Just I know, I'm just saying with the acknowledgement. So don't just acknowledge and say yeah. don't leave it. At that. I think you combine that with an hour of prayer, then act into it. That's entirely the point. And the thing is, I think I'm tired. Oh, it's just natural. But on the long run, it's five and a half hours. And I know you know what I'm. Yeah, I just want to make sure that people know that that when yeah when you acknowledge that it's it's not really the tiredness. I mean, it's not enough. It needs to be combined with a response to the Lord. Does that make sense? It's as if Abona phones me at night, and I say, "Well, Abona, sorry, I can't. I'm so tired." But you need to talk to me. Yes, you're tired, you're acknowledging that you should pick up the phone, but what is the, the, the conversation? Mark? What about reading the Word of God because it gives you life? So, mm. if you, even if you can't stand up, maybe sit up and start reading, you the light. Absolutely fine. Yeah, if you, got, if you can do that. Yes, I got my Bible next to my bed, so I can just grab it in a second and uh, read a psalm or something. Psalms really get me into the mood of prayer in seconds, because you're just praying. You're actually repeating the psalm as if it's coming from you. So I find it really uh, an easy access to His presence. What about getting big red and tiny hands? <laughs> <laughs> We're still ahead of the, We're ahead of the game. <laughs> Moving on. I couldn't stand up for prayer. Started mumbling some words in bed. Jesus, prayer, help me. Then I had a thought saying, you're fake. If you weren't weren't fake, you would have been able to sacrifice your flesh. Stand up for prayer. You're the same age. What would you do here? Does that happen? 
Ben, what would you do here? Your thoughts. Is that helping you guys think about the reality of things? Okay. So we're putting aside and continue praying. So kind of ignoring. Um, actually, David the king says that in one psalm. I think it's Psalm 36. He says, I became like a deaf person. I don't want to hear that. So there's no argument. There's no negotiation. Good point. What else? What else can you do? You're the same. You're... You're fake. I think, like you said, you can become quite deafened with this. So when you do a matanya, you're actually bringing your body um, under the control of your mind. You're saying, "I want to pray." So you're physically making, saying to the Lord, "I'm responding to that." Yeah. Any other thoughts? Absolutely. Okay, you decide. Okay. Yeah, I, had, I had someone say actually a very nice point that praying before bed actually it doesn't have to be immediately before bed anyway. You can go home, get home from work when you're still half fresh, and uh, and dedicate a time for prayer then. So it doesn't. Yeah, you don't have to wait. It's kind of the very end. Yeah. Very end. Absolutely, you just don't leave it to the last bit when you're really, really tired. Hmm. Good point. I think so, and I think, I like the point you're saying, George, my worry is between 7 and 10, uh, there's a lot happening, phone calls, emails, Facebook, and uh, your mind is full of things, so if you don't clear that up at night and leave the voice of the Lord uh, to be the last one, it might, I'd be taking a risk a bit, I think, I don't know what one of the things, I'd be taking a bit of a risk. Uh, can you afford the risk? I don't think we can. Because your mind will be full of things. Um, the point, yes, Marina. As you say two things, sometimes I find if I recognize um, the devil's voice in my thoughts, like telling me negative things about myself, whether before bed or throughout the day, like two things, um, sometimes I just will like say, away from me, Satan, like Jesus says to Peter. Um, and I find that that really helps. Or if I don't want to focus on the devil at all and acknowledge his presence, I find things like the Jesus prayer or repeating Jesus' name to be really good and getting my thoughts back in order and giving me peace so that I can continue. So I guess it kind of depends on what, how powerful the thoughts are and whether I want to address them or just ignore them. 
Absolutely fine. I mean, away with you, with you, Satan, uh, is one bit. The completion of it is, I'm in the presence. I want to enjoy the Lord's presence. And as you say, you can start repeating the name of Jesus until you feel that your mind left where it was going and, and you brought it back to the presence of God. Yeah. Michael. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for this point. I was really waiting for that point to come. Spot on. You're actually bringing every thought captive. You're bringing every thought to the light of the Lord. Why am I actually arguing with you? Why are we having a dialogue anyway? So every thought I'm having, I bring it, I share it with the Lord. Does that make sense? So I have a thought of doing this or doing that. I'm tired. I'm I'm weak. Well, a thought saying, well, you're fake. You're you've been faking it. Whatever. I bring the same thought to the Lord. If it stands in the light, fine. If it doesn't, it was darkness. Does that make sense? So actually, the uh, the verse is bringing every thought captive to the obedience of the Lord, isn't it? Thanks, Michael. Another scenario. You decided to argue with the thoughts. Of, of course, you see where this is going. You start saying, No, that's not true. God respects my body, respects my tiredness. Then another thought comes in, Yes, but that's your responsibility. He isn't going to do it for you, He's given you freedom. Then you go like, Yes, but He is my Father and He loves me. And then it goes like, Yes, but where is your sacrifice? Do you see where this is going? What, what actually happened here? Where are you? Are you in His presence? He's taking you away, isn't it? Into a conversation. Digressing. And that goes back to Michael's point. That you're actually, you don't allow that to happen. Does that make sense? So for example, Mark and Nina's example. I'm phoning Mark and saying, Mark, Mark, the relationship between you and Nina, I'm a bit concerned, let's have a chat. First thing he should do is like, why am I talking to you? Nina's just next to me. I'll have a word with her. I'll tell her Michael is saying. So bringing it to the light. Not allowing someone to split them, to divide them. So, it would have gone so wrong if he says, Really? Tell me more about it. And Nina's right next to him. And that happens. The Lord is right next to me. The devil is saying something, or my thoughts are saying something, or whoever is saying something. And I don't bring the thought into, into, the mix, into our relationship. I decide to... Tell me more about that. Really? I'm tired. Can I do it? Can I not do it? Why not share it? Why allow that sort of division? Does that make sense? I want to remain in your presence, whatever the cost is. Another scenario. Tomorrow morning, after the conference, you manage to pray before going to work or uni. Once you're there, you're confronted with colleagues complaining about the manager, the workload, the stress, the job cuts, the redundancy, future worries... You go back to your desk, you realize, oh, I'm feeling a bit angry again, I'm feeling a bit stressed, I'm feeling a bit uptight and unhappy. What do you do in the light of what you've learned in the conference? To bring yourself into His presence. Does that happen to you guys? Okay, was it just NHS? <laughs> Private sector secure? No? <laughs> IT consultants? Uh, no. Yeah. So what do you do? Again? 
I love that. I love the sound of that. I'm sharing my feelings with him. Why deal with my feelings without him? Why allow my feelings to be a hindrance? Does that make sense? So I'm sharing my thoughts. I'm sharing my feelings with him. I, Lord, I'm feeling quite stressed. I'm feeling a bit angry. I'm feeling a bit grumpy. I'm feeling a bit unhappy here. So what are you doing? You're not allowing the negative feelings that you've inherited from the conversations to split you. Who agrees? Who, who agrees with that? Who thinks it's making a bit of sense that we are? What we are trying to do here is to respond effectively, practically, to a calling to be in His presence. Any more thoughts on that? Okay, I like the bit about um, distancing yourself from feelings. From my experience, not many people can do that. Because when you are in the, in the midst of your feelings, your mind is not working straight. You're consumed by the feelings. Some people can do it, some people can't. So there are people in us who can do it. You can step back and say, why is this happening? And just rethink about the conversations they had, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I agree. Some people can't. Um, but the last bit... I want to add to it, why deal with it on my own? When I have the Lord of Lords, the one who is, we talked about that the Lord has feelings. The Lord has feelings, but they're manageable. He has feelings in a different way from the ones we have. They are still feelings, but they don't control his behavior as they do to us. So he's, he's, um, he's, the, he's the man for the job. Why not have him with me? It's as if, I'm sitting next to uh, Mikhail. He's the IT man. I'm, I know a bits and pieces, and I ran into a problem. I think, let me just deal with that. But he's here. Why not just share with him? You can do it, but tell him I'm doing this. So keep, keep your eyes on, on, on the laptop. From Nano? From one of the girls here. Where is Nano? <laughs> to embarrass you? Yeah. I think oh, she, has she gone to the airport? Nano? She's embarrassed. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, she says something really had a huge impact on me. Ooh. Because when something goes wrong in her business and it's mistakes tend to be big mistakes, she doesn't contemplate the thought of the mistake. She goes straight onto Google, writes verses about anger, verses from the Bible about promise, verses about this and that. And they come chucking at her and she starts reading them. And she knows at that point she's Christ's daughter who's behind her and they make her stand fixed in the situation, not moving this way and that way. I was like, that is such, all of us have got Android or iPhones, we can do that so quickly and just access God that quickly. And I thought that's such a practical step for me to do. I think well done. Yeah, I like it. I think it's really a powerful way of, of using whatever you have in actually communicating your thoughts and getting the, the positive feedback from the Bible. Isn't it? How do you feel about that? It's doable. But again, the core point is you're responding to to the calling to be in His presence. Also, remembering that the colleagues and managers Speak up. Being, sorry, remembering that the colleagues and your manager were created in His likeness as well. So, sending up a quick prayer for them. 
Absolutely. So it's uh, you're bringing more godly information to the to the field, to the scene. You're saying they are your sons and daughters. They're meant to be yours. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. They are your image. So you're actually making sure that you, the Lord is there in, in, in your formulation of what's happening. Absolutely. I like all that. Sorry, Michael had a point. Is the same point? Okay. Peter. I'm conscious of the time because I think I have five more uh, scenarios. So I'll be looking to Abuna and Abuna will tell me where to go. Peter. Uh, maybe some routine to, to now and then uh, pray some Jesus prayer at I think uh, uh, Peter is saying if we practice the Jesus prayer, communicating with the Lord Jesus routinely, it will come naturally. I told the story about that to my group uh, yesterday. Uh, a friend of mine was um, traveling from Cairo to, I think, Alexandria. And uh, he was in one of those microbuses. Obviously, I'm not sure if you've been through them. It's like the journey is like is a nightmare. You can die in a second. They drive madly, uh, no rules, um, 140 mi- uh, kilos per hour. It's really mad. And uh, they were, all the passengers were Muslims apart from him. And he, we're all, they were all standing, uh, sitting, God, we hope to get home safely. And then the guy runs into um, a lorry, an accident. So he, my friend was sitting next to him. So he was seeing the accident as it was happening. First thing that came out was, Jesus, in Arabic, obviously. Um, the, the, he, they had the accident none was badly injured none, no one needed to go to hospital but they all heard him shout Jesus in the car people were sort of looking at him in awe and saying thank you Muslims, it was a testimony but what I like about it is it came out naturally because his, his relationship with the Lord was something deeply embedded in him, so when he saw the accident first instinct was Jesus didn't care about whoever's around that makes so it's, uh, it goes with what Peter was saying. So on the way home, you have 30, from work or whatever, you have 30 minute journey that you usually spend checking newspapers, BBC, iPlayer, um, surfing the net, playing Candy Crush, um, Facebook, tweeting. Uh, you would like to make a better use of that time after the conference. What's your strategy? Or what would you like to do? A book instead of uh, instead of wasting time and carry a book, Especially. spiritual book. Sleep. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> 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 you sleep. I have a two-hour commute each way. <laughs> two hours is a bit, yeah. <laughs> but do you miss your st- your station? You stop? No. no. So, other thoughts. You can spend some time reflecting instead of being consumed on on games and Facebook. Somebody, a friend, a friend of mine in London, uh, started calculating the time he spends checking people's posts and status on Facebook and Candy Crush and Temper Run and you name it. And uh, it's hours. It, it doesn't seem like hours because you think it's a waste of time anyway. It's 30 minutes anyway. It, it's not like that. It's hours and hours. So I have having people's hands up. Mikhail, you have a long journey as well. Yeah, but that is, I got now. Anyway, uh, I think uh, we don't have to skip totally Facebook and these kind of things. We can use them. Mm. I mean, I found sharing uh, uh, source, sharing uh, uh, something God told me, sharing uh, uh, a verse, 
sharing a, a, a saying by one of the church fathers is a very helpful tool and, and it helps others. Wonderful. So one idea is, I have my phone on, I have my Facebook on, I can share something positive rather than just check people's uh, posts and that's it. I can add more value to it from what I have in his presence. Because it makes you think, what is it that you are giving me today that I can share? So it brings you back to the presence again. That's what I would like to happen. I don't want it to to turn into, um, what can I do to make better use of it without his presence? I want it to be part of the presence. What can I do, Lord? What, What is it that you can tell me so I can share with people? So you're bringing it back to the presence again. Other thoughts? I've seen some hands. Yep. Sylvia. Lovely. You can, uh, that's what Abuna said yesterday. The act of love brings you into the presence. What you can do more than, more than that is before you phone them or while you are on the phone, you can pray for them in your heart. So you are bringing the presence to your phone calls as well. I love that. I love that you are coming up with different ideas. Uh, shall we go for... Are you driving? I don't think sleeping or on the phone. You haven't seen the way Steve drives. So you, please don't start making assumptions that it doesn't work. Okay? Have you not seen his, uh, his, his photo on Facebook? Was it 200 miles or something? 160? Yeah. 199. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that and pray about the day and how it's been. Or if you're commuting to work, you could pray about the day and Use that just to be in his presence when you're driving. Hmm. Not that I drive. Okay, for drivers to share, yeah. Thank you. Mark? Um, I mean, with all of that, so it's like integrating Christ into it. So it's like one of the deals that yesterday about he drives, and he says that the Lord Jesus Christ is part of his driving uh, internet, and we refer today about Coptic worlds, which yeah. <laughs> needs to be integrated into it. Facebook can share the conference. Can the crush have a better taste? But I uh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, I think the other thing is, when I say about just being the awareness of the devil, he's, he's mainstream. So there's a lot of subliminal messages. I didn't. I went to the gym the other day and put my gym music on. I didn't realise half of what the lyrics are paganistic. Hmm. I couldn't believe it. Can you hear what Mark is saying? You speak up a bit about the last bit. <laughs> but, uh, I'm just saying that, yeah, I don't know, the uh, same integrating with Christ into the activity anyway, but um, the, when I say about the awareness, I think obviously well, that comes through the Holy Spirit and integrating Christ into whatever you're doing, he'll give you the awareness, but the devil's mainstream, so he will, so when it goes on the internet, sometimes it's easy to be influenced by a lot of things there, because it sometimes comes to us there, yes, and even music, it has a lot of influence. I mean, you can listen to something which has got a very big beat, it'll get you moving, or something which is quite sad, depressing, love song, whatever, and it does influence most of the long side of the lyrics. And it is like subliminal messaging. I mean, they used to do it in marketing, didn't they? When they used to have the films with the burger in the middle of the film, so they made you want to go out and to get a burger in the middle of the interval. It's all out there as part of hidden messages. The devil does these tricks and you wouldn't even notice it. It's not even as clear as the obviously. It's the awareness of the, of, of the influence of things that. Thank you. Shall we move on? A few days after the conference, you've done, you've done well so far, you've been praying um, some silence prayers, some Jesus prayer, you feel, a bit, you feel a bit good. Better quiet time, contemplation is presence, practice some hearts prayers, and it was great. But gradually you start losing the good feelings that you've had in the conference, and it becomes kind of a routine. 
you start to question everything then. Well, it was just a, maybe an emotional rush or something and it was fine and lovely in the conference because you had people around. It didn't last. What would you do? How can you help me? It's good to find people. Does that happen? Put up your hand if you think it's relevant or related. Okay. Call up on a mark. Easy, easy way. Shortcut. Viro. Mm, that's a, have, has anybody done that before? So we're saying you can, you can think of being accountable to somebody before you leave the conference and say, well, we can check on each other in a week's time or two weeks' time. Has anybody done that before? You have. Did it work? Yeah, it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. Tell us about it. I think I think that's a very very good point. What are they talking about here? That they, before you leave the conference, you decide to this person I can open up to. This is I would like each other to check on each other in a week's time. And what actually are they doing here? I think they are taking us back to the years of discipleship and um, spiritual mentors and spiritual guidance and allowing that to happen. Because back at the father's days, you go to your spiritual father, you decide with each other how you feel you want to progress, how you feel you want more of the, the presence of the Lord in your life, and then you meet up again and you tell him, well, I've done this, I haven't done that, that gave me that presence, that I didn't feel about anything about this. So there's some sort of sharing and supervision in a way, keeping an eye. So it's not just you, you're sharing. There's a room for mentoring. We stop doing that. I think most of us stop doing that. And it's kind of a trick. Because obviously the Western way of seeing things is you and God. Who else should be in, in that relationship? Why involve the church? Why involve a mentor? Why involve a, a, a priest? Or a friend or a fellowship? Just you and God. It's against the idea of fellowship because people are becoming more and more paranoid, very bounded, not allowing fellowship to happen. And I think what you're talking about here is breaking that wall and allowing for supervision, mentoring, sharing, without fear. Can you see the point? Who likes it? Who's going to do it? <laughs> is saying, who's going to do it? Mark is putting up his hand. I think, yeah, I think, I think it's becoming really necessary. And I'll leave a little bonus comment of that in a minute. Um, I'm conscious of the time, so I'll move on, if you don't mind. Guys, if you are tired, we can stop here. Tell me with your how many, how many slides? That's a good point. Has about ten to come. So I, skip, I'll, I can omit four of them. I, I'll, I'll go quickly. I'll just I'll give you a flavor of the scenarios. A week later, you catch up yourself. You catch yourself doing the same sin again. You've been struggling with it for ages. You're feeling disappointed. You're feeling a bit confused. I was in God's presence, and a thought comes to you says, "You have. We've got to start from scratch. You're out of His presence, mate. 
When you're ready and repented, speak to Abuna and confess. What would you do about that? That's a thought. So Nabil is telling us, I, I'm not going to wait till I'm ready because I might never be ready. Very good point. Any other thoughts? When I fall, I rise again. I'm not going to wait. I waste time. Um, and that's what Abuna was saying, talking about the time. So the devil is a bit cheeky here, telling you there's time to repent, time to go back. But not talking about what? The here and now. He's trying to steal you, to steal the here and now from you. He's trying to tell you later on you need to repent and confess. I don't, do, I don't, I don't play your game. It's the here and now. I'm not going to wait till I find Abuna and then repent. I, I can be in his presence now. I don't need that sort of loop uh, or that sort of uh, those steps to be in his presence. And as I was saying in our group yesterday, I will be in His presence before I confess, before I repent, when I repent, and after I confess and repent, and during confession. Because St. Paul said, nothing should separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Why would I allow any thought to, to divide us? Does that make sense? And, uh, sorry, sorry, you would be starting from scratching, and I think that's a, a lie from the devil. That's a, that's a lie from the day. You're starting from scratch again, as if he's making you believe that all the effort you make, made, all the relationship, has disappeared. Who are you to tell me about the relationship when the Lord is next to me? Does that make sense? Very good point. Okay, shall we just uh, have a flavor of the scenarios? We don't need to answer them. So, again, a thought telling you, you need to work harder this time. Similar thing, isn't it? He's telling you you need to work harder to be in His presence. What's the, what's the short answer to that? You need to work harder to be in His presence. What's the short answer to that? I'll be in His presence, then I can work, hard, I can work harder and harder and harder. Does that make sense? Can you see how he's twisting facts? Work hard to be in His presence, I'm saying. It doesn't sound right. You're splitting me from him again. You're dividing. No. I'll be in his presence right now and then we'll work really, really hard. I'll terrify you by working hard. Is that making sense? Can you get the concept? Okay. Let's uh, skip, skip. Okay. So back to the same thing again. The Lord is calling and we are responding. What's in the way? We mentioned sins. And a beautiful verse is saying that sin shall not have dominion over you anymore. Because you are not under the law of works. You are under the grace. You familiar with that verse? So sin shall not have dominion. Sin cannot separate us from the Lord anymore because we have the blood of Jesus. We have the cross. So the sin can't do the same function as it did in the past. We've mentioned about the same stuff, mind, emotions, body, bring them into the um, conversation. The last thing is the devil himself has, has been disarmed by the Lord on the cross. Disarmed means he lost his armor. He's only a mouth. Just talks, creates noise, but he doesn't have any armor. He lost his authority. So that's what happened to the devil. He doesn't have any authority or power anymore. Again, I'll quickly skip this. It's easy. How do you handle failures? If you get a call, respond. 
Because the Lord is saying today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. If you get a missed call, if you miss a call, call again, ring again. And watch how you perceive failure. Because the devil plays a lot around that. Most of the time, a sin is not the problem. It's what happens after you sin immediately. Your thoughts, I'm a failure, I'm going to start from scratch, as George was saying, I lost everything, it's me again. All them thoughts are much, much worse than the sin itself. Because they make you remain where you are, rather than move on. Making sense? Our last two slides, not that I'm interested in Satan's devices or ways of thinking, but I thought I'd finish with a couple of slides on common, same stuff, the devil's attacks. First thing, any thought that doesn't take you to the here and now in his presence is from the devil. Any thought that doesn't want you to be in the here and now with the Lord is not from God. Is that an easy way to filter out thoughts? If a thought is telling you, let's read about it but not be in it, question that thought. Let's make some effort and then be in His presence, so not here and now, that's not right. Any thought that sets a barrier or implies a distance between you and the Lord, I'd question that. Making sense? Any thought that imposes an image on God and that image contradicts what He said, that, doesn't, that can't be right. For instance, He let you down because He did so and so. He might let you down. That's not what the Bible said. I said, I will never let you down. That can't be him. That makes sense. Any thought that imposes words on God, contradicting what he said, again, from the devil. Sorry. Any thought that you shouldn't share your feeling in his presence is not from God. The Lord is more than happy, more than keen to hear about your feelings. The negative ones, I'm angry, I'm dead angry, I'm furious, I'm devastated, I'm despairing, I am sad, I'm fe- I feel like a failure, I feel like ending my life. Bring all the feelings to his presence. Any thought that tells you to do the opposite? Devil. Any thought that you shouldn't share a thought in his presence? Same thing. And last couple of points, any ideas against discipline? I would question that. Ideas that tell you you should be free from any discipline. Just le- 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 lead a life where there is no discipline. Wait till, till you feel motivated. Wait till you feel you feel like praying. There's no discipline in that. I would question that a bit. That's not how we work. We need some organization and discipline. Any plan, that's one, any plan to do something on your own is again not from God. So let's do it and come to me. Repent and come to me. Uh, think about it, come to me. So you do it on my own. That's not from the Lord. Because He said it clearly, I want to be with you in everything. Always. I want to share with you your work, your conversations with your wife, with your children, your study. I want to be with you all the time. So it doesn't go uh, with his, 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 his keenness and His desire. Thank you so much. You've done so well. I've had lots of thoughts and ideas. Well done. No well done you. Thank you. So, any questions? Abuna is with us, and I know we've probably have some points from groups. But the grace of the Lord will guide you and the Holy Spirit will push you 
and you will start to grow. And whenever you fall, never uh, give, give up hope, because hope is always hope. There is no end of, of this world, because our world is eternal. It's, it's not in this, in this earth. So if we focus on that, even if many times we try, and many times we fall, and many times we say we're going to do it, and we never do it, and a lot of uh, excuses and things comes. But just remember that you are not doing it in your own. Absolutely. We, uh, we, uh, absolutely. We talked yesterday about Second uh, Corinthians first uh, cha- first chapter when he says that even Saint Paul felt despair and said he lost hope even in life, but he had hope that God can save, and He saved him. So even if I lost hope in all my ways, actually that's a very good start. That's a very good start. I lost hope in all my ideas and thoughts and plans. I hope in the Lord. You will see miracles. Any other points or questions? It's a short, it's a short obviously, statement that I made. What I meant is, any thought that you, f- you feel is not telling you to be in the Lord's presence in here and now. With the Lord, I'm happy to think about the past, reflect on the past, think about my future, tell Him about my desires, but I'm in the here and now with Him. But any thought that plans or implies that I'm not going to think about the past, but not be with the Lord now, no. or I should have been with Him yesterday, no, no, um, we're talking about now first. Be with them and then think, reflect. Uh, we were saying yesterday, I, I personally, after so many falls, I've decided I'm not going to self-evaluate or evaluate the past or think about the future without making sure that we're together. So together first, and then let's look at my sins, myself, my past, my future. But the here and now, you're with me. So yes, it's not, not to think at all about the life or past or future, but the here and now we're together. Then together we can look back and look, uh, look forward. Does that make sense? That's a very good point. I, I, we skimmed through the word mind. It's not an easy word to, uh, to, to abandon. Because we were having a chat yesterday about how, how the mind can be a, a, a problem. Myself and Shireen were talking about how some of us, the way they operate is, if it doesn't make sense to me, I can't accept it. If it doesn't fully make sense, and I can see where it's going, I can't accept it. Do you think that can be an obstacle? Mm-hmm. Put up your hand if you think it can be an obstacle. Yes. So what's the solution? Because some of us, um, who score more on the C conscientiousness, on the DISC personality, think more about things. And if they don't feel convinced or make sense to me, I can't move on. How can we overcome that? Ask the Lord, ask the Lord to help me to, to understand what, what it is, how to make sense. Ask the Lord to help me understand it. You do, the answer is I've been doing, but it's not making sense. Can you hear it, Anabil? Sometimes you, you have communion, you go to church. Sometimes you don't because you pray, I'm sure that you have to stop. Sometimes you don't because you 
So let's make a sort of a conversation with everybody. So sometimes you pray, you, go, you have communion, you don't feel His presence. And you feel that your mind is in the way a bit. That's your mind is not filtering out, not accepting it. Guys, I need some help from you. You've been helping me throughout the conversation. Give me ideas. We're having a question here. Mark. Humble your mind. Make it practical. So, by humbling your heart, you're listening more to what the Lord wants to say. You can become more receptive. I agree, but I can tell you what other people might think. It doesn't work because practically speaking, how can I humble my mind? So we need more. Go, go a bit deeper, guys. We're having a problem here. Okay, so Anthony's thinking, so I'm waiting to hear from you. I find that I'm in this situation a lot. Um, so I write everything down, like all of my thoughts, and then I just try to get them down on paper, um, and then I feel like. I get to a point where I've exhausted my main issues and then I've started repeating it. So then from that I can kind of identify where my thoughts are taking me. Like, is this fear? Is this disappointment? Um, Is it just that I need to force myself? But I find like really writing everything down. That's a very good skill. It's very therapeutic and I'd encourage people to do it if they're stuck. If they have lots of thoughts and they are repeated, it's a pattern. Put them on a piece of paper, then you can see them from a distance, and then you realize, that doesn't make sense, I have the answer to this, and I have the answer to that. They're not, how come I couldn't see that? Because they were here, not there. It's a very beautiful skill, very nice one. If you have lots of thoughts, put them on a piece of paper, it will make more sense to you where the problem is. Okay, yalla, more uh, ideas. And that's the humility of heart. You said it more uh, practically. Accept that you don't, you can't understand everything. You need to be realistic. Yeah. So there's a mileage for faith here. And if we think realistically about it, what is it in this world that we fully understand? Can we claim that we fully understand everything or anything? And what we think we understand today. Meet me, let's meet up in three years' time, they'll be questioning it. If you think that water is good for you, I can give you a, find you a paper that says the opposite. If you think uh, fruit is good for you, I'll find you a paper that says questionable. Things aren't so certain. The world makes it seem as if we are really, we know where we stand in science. This is not the reality. Especially when you grow in academia and you become like a professor or something. You find them skeptical about everything. Uh, honestly, when I was more junior, they were telling us things like, this is, how it, this is how it is. A plus B equals C. This is it. So we thought, wow, this is clear. Science is beautiful. You know where you are. As you grow, first thing I remember when I was, just before I became a consultant, a consultant said to me, uh, do you know that all the diagnoses that we talk about, all the diagnoses, are questionable? And I'm thinking, what? I've been trying to convince my patients, this is depression, we know what it's uh, from, schizophrenia is well known, da da da. Nothing. Just because it's psychiatric. It's because it's psychiatric. Okay. Yeah, yeah, please uh, defend me, Mark. <laughs> 
No, say out loud, say it out loud. And thanks for defending psychiatry a bit <laughs> after your initial attack. Uh, I'll let, let everyone comment on that, but I'll just leave with one comment about the mind. Sometimes we still have the all or none mindset. So it's either I know it all, understand it all, or not accept it. And the problem with that is God wants you to think, yes, use your mind, but not to be in control. Not to know everything, not to lead you in everything. The leadership should be for the Lord. So sometimes we have this all or none. If I don't, I'm not. When you think that way, question. That's not right. If I don't know it all, I'm not going to do it. That even contradicts what I do on a day-to-day basis. I don't know much about how buses work, how trains work. how I don't know much, but we still do it. Because people do it. Why does it, when it comes to God, why does it seem if I don't know all about it, I'm not going to do it and I can't accept it? Because I think there's a bit of a, a, a lie there. It's all or none uh, with the Lord. No, it's not all or none. It's a bit of mind. I'll think about things. Lord wants me to think, but under His leadership. I will think, I'll question, but under His faith, under His leadership. Not, not without His, His presence or leadership. Abuna, if you can give a little mic. Okay. I just want to add one thing from the mind. You know, when we work, when we work, when we study, as Mike was saying a few minutes ago, we think that 